If I feel comfortable, then I'm going to be confident. And if I'm confident, then I'm going to create trust with my customer. So it's really a a circle of effects that happen. You're listening to Mental Selling, the sales performance podcast, a show from Integrity Solutions. This is a podcast for passionate leaders in sales and customer service who are driven by purpose, not just a paycheck. People who want to create broader and deeper connections with customers and their teams by building trust and mastering the critical mental and emotional sides of sales. You're about to hear a conversation from sales leaders and industry experts about what it takes to translate sales knowledge into sales performance. How to change the sales conversation by putting the focus on building relationships and adding value, removing the blockers that keep salespeople from reaching their potential, creating an inspiring learning environment and coaching culture, and ultimately increasing sales achievement and improving customer loyalty. Ready to rise up to the top of your game? Let's get right into the show. Welcome again to Mental Selling, your favorite sales podcast. Thanks for joining us from wherever you are and whenever you're listening. I'm Will Milano with Integrity Solutions. With us today is Bobby McVeigh Blath. Bobby is the owner and founder of Level Up Facilitation Group. She has over 20 years experience in the banking industry and is a community banking advocate when it comes to helping Banks create a unique combination of internal training programs and curricula that establishes consistency between branches and helps put banks at a competitive advantage within the communities that they serve. So, Bobby, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Will. I love to be here. So, the focus of this episode and why Bobby is uniquely qualified, I think, to talk to us today is we want to talk about what happens when non salespeople people that are in roles that are traditionally not viewed as selling, grow to have sales responsibility or expectations? And how can that impact the customer experience? Whether your formal title includes and job description includes sales or selling or not. So Bobby, let's jump right in. Putting customer experience and putting the customer at the heart of your strategy, and you look at this from the lens of of banking and, and credit unions, where the customer experience and customer value is, is so important. And these things really seem like they've grown to be valued more than ever. And I know there's a JD Power statistic about how customer satisfaction increases 23% when customers are offered advice and guidance that meets their needs. Have you seen customer expectations, I should say, rise in the past few years? And if so, why do you think that's happened? I think so. I mean, when you think back, we've always, for years and years and years, have always wanted some type of customer service. A certain level of expectation was there. But I think over the last recent years, with technology growing, people are wanting more convenience. They're wanting things to be quicker and faster and easier, but also secure. And so how we view that and what we look for and listen for when we are interacting with our customers, we need to have that mindset. What is it that they're truly looking for? And how can I not only meet their expectations, but absolutely 100% exceed those expectations? So I think we've definitely seen a lot of growth from customers' expectations over the last few years. Definitely. And again, you come at this from the standpoint of extensive experience in 
the banking sector. Banking is a great example, but it's far from the only industry where it's far from the only industry where there are people across the organization who don't have selling or sales in their job title or in even in their job description. But the reality is that everybody across the organization has has responsibility for that. How do you think the what we would call the non salesperson's view of selling? How can that be changed? How can you get past that sort of immediate knee-jerk gut reaction of negative connotations around selling? And and what are the things that you've seen in your career about what it takes to change that around? I think 100% of it is mindset. Because if I view it as selling, and I think... And I use this in a lot of my, my training or my facilitation is back in the day, sales was considered a dirty word. And everyone wanted to avoid that. They didn't want to be in sales. And I think it's because we've all experienced a negative interaction when it comes to sales. High pressure, you know, not a lot of honesty would be taking place. So we have that ingrained in us. And so how do we change our mindset from this is a sale to this is a service? My purpose, my job, my goal is to service my customers in a way that again, goes back to that customer service expectation. So even if I'm not in a sales role, so I'm not face-to-face with a customer, maybe my job description is operations or secretary or assistant, admin, whatever that is, what again is your purpose? So who are your customers? Because we all have customers. So I think maybe taking a step back and asking ourselves, okay, who exactly are my customers? What are their needs? What are their expectations? And how can I exceed that level? So we're still selling in a way, we're selling our ideas, we're selling our suggestions, we're selling our efficiency. So those things have to be articulated to whoever your customer might be, no matter the job title. And from the, from the customer's perspective, they view everybody from the organization that is serving them as people that should be filling their needs, right? So delivering great customer experience, filling needs. Those are some, those are things that are all responsibilities of of everybody and helping to answer questions and and uncover opportunities. Those are things that everybody has responsibility for. And that's really what is synonymous with what good selling is supposed to be today, right? Absolutely. We need support from everybody. Everybody within an organization serves a purpose. And it's literally... I always like to envision a pyramid. So you've got your foundation, that sturdy part of the pyramid. And again, that's your operations, that's your support team. That's everybody that helps the company do everything else that they need to do. And then as you go up that pyramid or travel through that pyramid, you've got your next level, which might be your actual sales group. And then you've got your middle management, and then you've got your upper management, but at the very top of that pyramid is the customer. It's always the customer. So everyone really does work hand in hand. So how do you provide that that amazing level of, of service so that basically that top of that pyramid, that customer is getting what they need? And so we're, you know, we're getting into how someone's view of selling can often be tarnished about a, a preconceived notion 
about salespeople, and that's typically based on previous experiences that they had individually with salespeople. Is there also are there also issues with things like a lack of belief in just the the products that they're representing, or or misalignment with with the company's values? Maybe not having strong belief that the, that the company stands for what they stand for. How do do you see those? Do those things get in the way? Are there other things like that that might get in the way? A hundred percent. So we've got individuals that absolutely love doing what they're doing. They love helping that customer, whatever that looks like to them. And then we have individuals, and I think we're seeing this more and more today, Will, with the, the great resignation. So if we're not happy in our job or we don't believe in the product that we're, that we're serving, then that has a huge impact on our customers. And, you know, one of my, one of my number one things is without trust, there isn't going to be any loyal customers. So again, I have to view what it is that I'm doing. Do I have belief in the product? Do I have belief in the approach that I'm reaching out to this individual? Do they absolutely have a need for what it is that I'm trying to recommend? And then what am I doing that's actually, is it a benefit to them? I think that needs to be a question that we're asking ourselves as well is how can I benefit my customer? Again, doesn't matter what role you're playing within the organization. If I don't understand who my customers are and what they're, what's going to benefit them, then I'm going to struggle. And if I don't believe in what I'm doing day in and day out, then I'm going to struggle. And it all comes back to again this the idea of of how do you define selling and how do you how do you view it yourself, which is you know again is if selling is viewed through the lens of providing value and filling needs, then part of anyone's responsibility who's customer facing in an organization is to make sure customers are aware of other things you might have to offer right beyond what they might be asking you overtly about in that in that interaction so that's where good listening skills come in, right? Because that, that you can't ask good questions until you become a good listener, right? Yes. And I think it's so important because a lot of times we're always thinking about the next thing we want to say. And if we really truly stop and listen to what our customers are saying to us and really reading between the lines, but also having great questioning techniques, because again, like you mentioned, the customer may not realize or may not understand the full big picture of what it is we can offer them. And again, if it's benefit-based, then what are all of the benefits that I can be offering them? So making sure we're asking the right questions, key questions is extremely helpful. And then stopping and actually listen to what it is they're saying. So I always will use this acronym of WAIT, W-A-I-T, And it stands for why am I talking? So it's just a great reminder to really listen to what your customer has to say. And I should say for the listeners, I first met Bobby at a a banking industry conference that we were at uh, five, six months ago. And one of the things I heard you speak about at the, the conference was around tailored problem solving, which is, I think, you know, what you've been alluding to the last couple of minutes, which is don't just have a script in front of you and you're going to push a product and push a, 
a sales pitch on everybody and anybody that you talk to. But tailored problem solving is about maximizing that customer interaction and, and understanding what she or he is talking about that might lead you down different paths to help help them fill different needs. That gets to this idea that, again, I've heard you talk about the, the shift from, quote, service to sales. Can you talk about that? That, that shift from service to sales and, and how do you how do you bridge that gap and bring those two together in context of you know the end game of, of maximizing every customer interaction? Love to. So when we think of sales, usually our mind goes to three different key areas. We're either going to be focused mainly on the transaction itself, the product itself, or the customer. So there's three three ways that we can look at these things. So if I'm only focused on the transaction, so transaction-based interaction with my customer. And again, those of everyone that's listening, you know, keep in mind this isn't always about the person and me going out beating the streets and bringing in new business. It's really what is my main position within the company and again, who is my customer? So if all I'm doing is transaction-based, and I'm going to go back to banking or, or credit unions just to give a great example. But if I am a teller and a, and a customer comes up to me, whether it's the drive-through or the, or the lobby window, and they want to do a deposit into an account, great. I'm going to do that deposit. Here's your receipt. Have a great day. No interaction, nothing really was taking place other than I was an order taker and I did the transaction that you needed me to do. That's great. We look for efficiency. We look for making sure that it's done accurately. Those things are important. The other focus is the product focus. Well, you have to have 20 debit cards sold this month. Or if I am more of an admin, I need you to get through 30 of these mailing envelopes going out to our clientele this week. So that's more product focused. And again, those aren't evil. Those aren't bad. But how we make that approach to that customer or to that individual is really going to impact that in a positive or negative way. So yeah, I could easily push 20 debit cards to 20 of my customers that I see today. But is that the right way to go about it? And then the third way is the customer focus. And this is where we, we talked a little bit about this already is I'm going to ask you some key questions and I'm going to really listen to what your needs are. If you don't have a need for a debit card, then I'm not going to offer you one because that doesn't make any sense. But I am going to provide you a service and figure out what would benefit you. So if it's not a debit card, something else might benefit you. And the only way to get to understand that is by asking those questions and understanding your customer. What is it that they truly want? What is it that they truly need? Is it convenience? Is it saving time? Is it saving money? Is it safety and security? Again, we talked about that with tech. So all of those things, what is important to you? And how can I make this better? That's is a service. And I promise if we can get to that, again, that mindset that all I'm doing is servicing the customer, then everything else just falls into place. And I think as, as you're saying, if I, if, if I hear you right, there, there's a time and place for being 
product focused, for example, right? But it's got to be in service of something broader and larger. And it and it's you know every cust- every organization has a focus and desire to increase breadth of products, say that they sell across customers, and ultimately customer loyalty, right? Customer retention is one of the biggest ways that companies grow because they're expanding within their existing customer base. And I think a lot of what you're talking about here are really smart strategies. And again, it's, it's that mindset shift of how do you deliver those in ways that are, that are truly customer focused. Let's get back to asking questions. And how do you, how do you get people over that, that are maybe more introverted than others, or again, have been more in, I don't want to say passive, but more reactive inbound customer service types of, of roles, uh, account management type of roles, you know, maybe to some extent order takers, which again, order, you know, selling and order taking should be viewed as two very different things. Are there examples of good questions and, and bad questions that can help people like that sort of get started? Yeah. So I think it's always, you know, we always want to stay away from a script. Scripting is never authentic. It's not your true self. It's, your customers are going to read right through it. What we do want you to do, though, is it's always nice to have some good key quality questions in your toolbox. Questions that you can always go back to or sprinkle into those conversations that you're having with those individuals, those customers. And knowing because each customer that you talk to is unique in their own way. They have their own specific needs. Not everyone is looking for security. Not everyone's looking for convenience. So we need to figure out what is their true need. And the only way to do that is to ask unique and specific questions to them. And, but again, having, you know, four or five good impact questions is what I like to call them ready for to continue on with that conversation. And maybe it's a three minute conversation, or maybe they're sitting down with you and it's a 45 minute conversation, whatever that looks like having some of those key impact questions in your back pocket just helps that conversation flow and practice, practice, practice. So if you are one of those individuals, that's more of an introverted person and receives more inbound versus going outbound, you know, practice. You've got peers that are doing the exact same thing. You've got leadership that hopefully are willing to listen to you and go, you know what? I talked with Kathy last week and it just didn't feel comfortable. Can I just run a few things by you? How does this sound? You know, what would I say differently next time? I think practicing is going to be key, but also having those key questions in your back pocket is important. And I think, I think the advice that you, that you just said about authenticity really can't be understated. Getting away from, I'm going to read this or I'm going to recite it the exact same way and really figuring out how to talk to customers in an authentic voice that's truly you you know, we, we can all tell, we, we all, you know, walk into stores or talk on the phone with organizations and you can tell somebody that's actually talking with you in an authentic way from people that aren't. Yes. You have a personality, use it. Like people buy from people there. That's more than they do in a, a company. So if you are in that role of 
again, selling or more of a support role, people are going to go to you if you are able to build that level of trust. And once you've got that trust built with them, and again, people are going to do business with people they like. And so that, that loyalty just goes through the roof. And once you've got that loyalty telling you it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. And everything is just so much more comfortable when you've got that built. And people, they, they want to do business with people and with organizations that are going to make their lives easier, going to make their jobs easier, make that, or they're going to make them look good. They're going to reduce or eliminate risk, that sort of thing. So, you know, I know we've, we've talked about this before where part of selling is viewing it as helping somebody get from, you know, in really simple terms, getting somebody from their current situation to their desired situation. Do you have any sort of example or anecdote that might bring that to life from your experience in, in, in banking? Yeah. So one of the examples that I really like to give is, and again, I'm going to take this, tie this back into the banking realm, but let's say that you've got a customer and they come in, we're going to call him Tom and they come in every Friday to, he comes in every Friday to deposit his payroll check. Well, he's typically looking at his watch. He's really in a hurry. He may sometimes even tell you, you know, I'm so lucky I made it to the bank before it closed. Sometimes it's really hard for me to get here on time. And this is just Tom talking, right? So if I am in the right mindset, I don't want to, I don't want to sell anything to Tom. That's not what I'm here to do, but I do want to provide a service for Tom. So maybe it's going back and asking those few questions because questions are going to be key. I could, again, I've got three options here. I can just go ahead and do his transaction, get him in and out, easy peasy. I could push a product on him and be only product focused, or I can be customer focused and I can ask Tom a few questions, make an observation. So Tom, I noticed every now and then that you come in on a Friday and you are really rushing to get here. That's got to be really inconvenient for you. You know, having a good conversation with Tom, getting him to open up and feeling a little bit more comfortable with you. And then it could be like, you know, Tom, if I could show you a way to get your check in the bank a lot quicker, would you be interested in hearing some options? And if he's like, absolutely, what do you got for me? That's where now I'm going to switch my focus to the different products that we have to offer. You know, so it could be direct deposit. It could be mobile deposit. You know, there's, there's different options that we can provide Tom, who is our customer. And again, if we do the right approach and we're, and we're giving him options, he's more open to receiving and he's more open to probably buying what you have to offer. And I think that the key there is it's all in service of incremental value, making, making his or her life or situation just that much easier and being directly related to something they're already doing. So it's not, you're not asking him a question out of left field, right? It's, it's directly related to something he's telling you is a, a difficulty for him. So it's a, that's a really good example. Yeah. And how can we help Tom? Right. That's really what we're here to do. Help each other. So, selling 
selling well, serving, meeting customer needs well. It, it, it really is this, this idea that you've talked about of, of blending or melding customer service and, and selling in, uh, in theory and in practice into one. So that it helps create, if we say it helps create greater trust with customers, what, do you have any thoughts about, it's a great thing aspirationally, right? Increased trust. But what does that actually equate to? How does that how does that shift both the relationship as well as you know what sort of impact can that make for for the organization? If we're able to establish trust with our customers, again, with that trust, we've gotten loyalty. And we know in this day and age that I could easily go across the street to that other bank or that other company that does just the exact same thing we do. So it's really the people that, again, make that sales culture or make that service culture happen for the company or the organization. And I think when we look at goals and opportunities that companies have or give their employees, that makes an impact as well. You talked a bit about, you know, it's a lot in the news today. Everybody reads about the the great resignation and you know, the, the tremendous shift in, in the workforce today and people looking for more meaning, more purpose, right, in what they're doing and, and greater appreciation from, from their employers and more of a vested interest, I guess, right, in, from their employers in them as, as individuals and in their careers. So from your experience, what sort of training do you feel employees, and again, you know, maybe this is specifically in the financial services banking sector, but I think it applies across a lot of the different industries. What do you think they expect today as far as training and investment that companies are making in them? People want to learn. Your employees want to learn. They want to grow within your organization. They want to know exactly what their purpose is within the company that they work for. And if we don't know what our purpose is and we're not feeling that we are a bigger part of that purpose, then that's where I'm going to leave and find a different company to work for. And I think history has shown us that before employees feel like they really didn't have much of a choice. Well, nowadays we're seeing that they have a huge opportunity, huge choice. So on average, our employees are sticking around about two and a half years. So just enough to really get a good foundation. They're going to learn what they can learn before they ultimately go to a different company. How do we inspire and encourage our great employees to stay? And it really boils down to what are you doing to educate them? to develop them within your company? Do they feel like there is growth within the company? And when I say growth, I don't always mean I'm going to be a supervisor someday. It means personal growth, professional growth, things that I just didn't realize I didn't have until you taught me differently. So my behavior, you know, how I'm interacting with others, all of those things are growth. And so what is the company or the organization doing to help me as that employee to develop in that area? And, and that's, that has to certainly go beyond basic 
you know, onboarding that somebody gets as a new employee, right? What do you, what do you, you know, beyond that, what do you think is, are some things that from your experience, companies get wrong in their approach to sort of the long-term view of developing their people? I feel like once someone gets established in their role, they tend to be overlooked. And, you know, if you're doing such a great job, there's no need to do any coaching or any follow-up. There's no need to check in their, you know, their work is getting done. So, you know, what's, what's the big deal, right? So I think some of the biggest risks that companies or leadership runs is not, you know, following up with their individual employees on a regular basis. So my annual review shouldn't be a surprise of what's going on. I should basically be visiting with you probably a couple of times a week. Like, and it's a, it's a quick little check-in for those, you know, like, how are things going? What are your goals this week? How can I help you achieve those goals this week? You know, I think having a good long one-on-one or coaching session, however you guys, you know, individual companies use it differently. But what does that look like? What are the key questions? And it should never be about the manager or the supervisor doing all of the talking. We always want our employee to do a lot of the talking. And so coming up with two or three key questions you want to ask them, what's working well? What are your challenges you've been facing? What can I help educate you on that you feel comfortable with so that, or you feel more comfortable with? You know, key questions like that need to be, you know, need to be completed with those employees. And as you said, this doesn't, it doesn't have to be some sort of formal scheduled sit down. It can be sort of casual, ad hoc, very quick, it might be a 30 or 60 second conversation, but those things throughout the day and throughout the week add up. And you alluded to something in, in as, as you were answering that, that I wanted to get to next. It's a really good segue and it's around goal setting and how one of the ways that salespeople are successful and one of the ways that people are in you know, these non-traditional sort of sales roles that we're talking about, that we want to embrace more of a, a sales mentality. But part of that is around goal setting. And you talked about how the part of the manager conversation has to be about that person's goals. Can you talk a bit more about sort of the, both the difference and, and where they, they complement each other as far as leaders helping people understand company goals and also how they might he- help people create their own individual goals. Yes. So every company has some type of a strategic goal or a strategic plan. And it is adamant that that organization is open about... There's a lot of transparency that needs to happen with those strategic goals and with each employee, again, operations, admin, you know, customer facing, non-customer facing, whatever that is, there has to be that transparency of here's the company's strategic goals. And that's that's the top of what it is. And so that then has to trickle down to all of the employees. And then what should happen is that middle management then says, okay, here's here's the company's goals, here's the corporation's goals. How do you feel you fit into this to these goals? What can you do, employee, 
to help the company reach those goals because you play a huge part of this. So asking that question and then having that employee say, okay, here's my qualities. Here's what I can do. If I am in sales, here's my commitment for the year. And then I'm going to start breaking them down. But I think it's important that the employee gets to choose the specifics within that goal setting. They can't just be handed down from on high. Right. If I'm picking my own goals and my own opportunities, because now I know what the big picture is, here's how I'm going to contribute to that. Then you're going to have more buy-in with that employee in the first place. And they're going to actually come up with their own strategic plan then. Yeah. And it's such a it's such a critical part of of maintaining consistent motivation is is this what you just said, which was help people understand where they fit, right? In the grand scheme of things, how do they fit and how is what he or she doing helping to move the needle for the organization and you know in, and again in service of the customers, right? And that because we we talked a lot about on previous episodes of, of this podcast about the the natural ebbs and flows of selling, right? There's a lot of net, there's a lot of highs, there's a lot of lows. It's not consistent and linear day to day, week to week. And so getting employees, salespeople, non-traditional salespeople, customer service representatives through those highs and lows by helping them understand what their, their purpose is their you know, it, it all links back to their, their motivation and will, will keep them engaged. And hopefully, as you said, keep them around longer than two and a half years, right? Like, you know, you can do the math. Organizations do it all the time of what's the impact of taking someone's average tenure with the organization from, say, two and a half years to four and a half years. It's significant. Sort of a broad question, but what do you think sales and customer service people expect from their leaders today and from, and from the companies that they, that they represent? Honesty, integrity, I think is a big part of it. Again, because if I don't believe in the product or the service that the company is offering, that's going to be a huge negative impact. But I think they're looking... Again, people want to learn. So I think they're looking for education. They're looking for training to help them feel comfortable. And if I feel comfortable, then I'm going to be confident. And if I'm confident, then I'm going to create trust with my customer. So it's really a a circle um, of effects that happen. So I think they want to learn. You know, if you tell me that these are the products that we need to be recommending and servicing our customers with, well, what are you doing to educate me as your employee on that product and service? Do I understand enough about it to make the recommendation needed? So is there product knowledge training? Is there a resource that I can go to that will answer a question if I have a customer sitting in front of me or if someone has called me and I don't necessarily know the answer off the top of my head, is there a resource that's provided to me where I can do a quick click and find it? You know, so tools are going to be important. People want or employees want to know, again, they're they're looking for convenience and efficiency and what's in it for me. Right. So I think everybody's looking for that benefit. So what are we doing to benefit our customers and our, our, excuse me, what are we doing to benefit our employees so that they can then benefit the customer? And part of that product knowledge training is also the, you know, this idea, and we, we've been talking about this, the ability to under, help people understand what are the cues to listen for, right? What are some things somebody might be saying that might lead them to 
be interested in product X or option Y or Z or, you know, whatever it might be. Because again, everybody's, everybody's situation is unique. So helping people understand not just the features of the product, but the where and when of how it might fit for individuals. Happy. Very, very important. Yes. What are some ways that, that organizations can help their leaders ensure that they're modeling the behaviors that they want to see in their, in their salespeople? You know, I think a lot of it comes from that trust. Open honesty is huge. You know, if, if we don't feel that we've got that with our senior leaders, or again, that transparency, that transparency that's going to be so important because it really does go both ways. We want to make sure that we feel comfortable going to our supervisor or our manager and saying, Hey, this just didn't feel right for me, or I don't feel comfortable. I don't know enough about this product to make a recommendation to to customer A, whatever that is. I, as an employee, want to feel comfortable enough that I can go to my supervisor and say those things. And we also need the organization and the supervisors to also have that transparency and feel comfortable enough to go to that employee and say, Hey, you know, when you were visiting with Chuck the other day, I couldn't help but overhear that it didn't go real smooth. Let's talk about it. You know, so making sure that there's that, that comfort level. And again, and I know I keep alluding on this trust word, but it's so important to a successful organization. If we don't have that, it's things fall between the cracks. Right. Well, and tr- as you're, you've been saying, trust and things like trust and transparency, they trickle down. If they're not existing between the, the leader and the, the salesperson or the, you know, the customer service representative, it's going to be hard for it to actually show up between the salesperson and the customer. So that, that's part of this idea, I think, of, of, of company culture and, and creating that. It, it's got to start between the, the leader and the employee. Getting back to a, a bit more about training and, and, and developing and, and helping people with both the sort of the confidence, the mindset, the beliefs. You know, a lot of organizations, they have onboarding training. They have people that, you know, you, you sit in the big room and you get the onboarding videos and the initial one or two day training event when they first join the organization. And you, you mentioned you want people to understand the big picture of the organization. And, and you painted that really well about how leaders have to be really overt and, and, and specific about that. Coaching has got... Can you talk about the, the coaching aspect a little bit more and, and what you think good coaching looks like? You already talked a bit about it earlier where you said, you know, it doesn't have to be some formal sit down every week and it, and it can be ad hoc and very sort of in the moment. But what are other aspects of coaching that you think it really good coaching looks like? Good coaching looks like setting your employee up for success. Whatever that success looks like for them as an individual, for the company, how do we set that person up for success? And whether it's, I'm a brand new employee, I think it's absolutely important and imperative that the culture of the company is introduced to that new employee right away. Here's who we are as a company. In fact, it should be mentioned in the interview process, to be completely honest. So we need to make sure that we are, again, honest about our culture. And it's not just you know, giving you pizza on Fridays, but here's who we are as a company. Here's our mission statement. Here is our vision and our values. 
And we want you to know these and we want you to understand them. And if you have any questions on them, we want you to ask. So if it's not clear, please ask us because we want it to be clear. And so one of the things that I always stress, especially from an onboarding, and we call it onboarding because it's a good six weeks to a year for our new employees to feel comfortable and confident. And we should not be cramming everything into two days. So there should be an agenda. There should be a plan, a layout for this new employee. And that involves coaching. But I think introducing, and not just to our new hires, but we need to be reminding all of our seasoned staff, who are we as a company? Here is our mission statement. Here's our vision. Here's our values. And I'm all for doing fun activities around those. Like, here's a reminder. When you hear this vision that we have as a company, what comes to mind? You know, asking those key impact questions for those seasoned people because out of sight, out of mind. Well, and, you, and, and through the, what you're talking about is helping bring to life what those actually look like in practice, right? Because you need to take those mission, vision, values. And, you know, as we say, like take them off the poster on the, in the lobby. And how do you make people understand how it actually, what it actually looks like in their day-to-day interactions with each other and with, and with the customers. So that's, I think that's really good advice. Yeah. And giving examples. I think people need to hear and see examples of what, what the mission looks like, what the vision looks like, what the purpose looks like. All of those things are extremely important And again, it's not just a one and done. It should be repeated over and over again in everything we do from our training to our coaching to our our sales culture. All of it just needs to be ingrained into one. Yeah, people's behaviors and their and their mindsets as we, you know, started talking about at the outset that they don't get changed in a in a one and done setting, right? So this has been a great conversation. I want to thank Bobby McVeigh Blath for being with us today. Whether you're an individual or an organization that is in a quote traditional sales role, or as we've been talking a lot about today, those that are non-traditional salespeople, people that are in roles that are more have tended to be more customer service focused, or or as Bobby said, maybe operational focused, whatever it might be. Hopefully, we've given you, I think, some really good advice and insights on how to ultimately exceed customer expectations through some of these mindset aspects and through some of the, the tactics and strategies that Bobby's talked about. So thank you again for being with us. You can find Bobby. Her website is levelupfacilitation.com. You'll also find her on LinkedIn, Bobby McVeigh, that's M-C-V-E-Y, Blath, B-L-A-T-H. So you can connect with her there. Again, visit levelupfacilitation.com. Thanks to everybody for listening to us. As always, please give us a rating or a comment on the episode or, or on the podcast in general. Tell a friend about it. And we look forward to our next episode, which you'll be able to hear in a couple of weeks. Thanks, everybody, for joining us today. Bobby, again, thanks so much. This has been really, really insightful. Great. This is awesome. Thanks, Will. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day. You've been listening to Mental Selling, an Integrity Solutions podcast. 
Stay in touch with us by subscribing to the show in your favorite podcast player and following us on LinkedIn and Twitter. Please give us a rating, leave a comment and share episodes you love. That helps us keep empowering sales and service leaders to master the mental side of selling. Until next time, let's go out and create amazing customer experiences.